I'm Barry Worthington. I'm Adam Penleway. And this is the Progress with Unice podcast. Langy scores. Watching the updates come through. He's only been on the field a few minutes. Brilliant finish. Stack Maloney. Why wasn't he playing him? That's a yeah. joke, by the way. For those who can't pick on, up on my uh, sarcasm. <laughs> he was always going to score, though, wasn't he? He was always going to come on scoring his debut. But I'll tell you yeah. what, I made up for him. It's a success story. Yes, because he's come through the, the ranks with us. You, you keep your eye on him. But also, I mean, we were talking just then, weren't we? Pathway through from, from, from the academy through to the first team and beyond and going to play in somewhere else. And he's like a really good example to us attracting other players in, young lads. Yeah, also as well, I think for players who are... So you look at um, Johnny Smith or uh, Johnny Storms even. (laughs) (laughs) These Why are our names so confusing this year? They're all like Smiths, Charlies and all that kind of stuff. Mind you, John Smith, Storms is... That bitters those, aren't they? Yeah, you've got Stones, Stones Bitter and John Smith. Yeah. 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 We'll have to have a game of that, picking your uh, 11 with uh, alcohol in it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I was saying that for those examples of players that are going out on loan and have had a number of loan spells, it's a good example for those type of players as well that it doesn't mean that you're going to fail at Wigan by going on loan. It means that at that particular time, you're not quite ready. But that pathway's still there. And obviously, Lang was up there playing in Scotland, playing against Rangers and Celtic. He was hidden away from the administrators, came back and obviously saved, saved us, really. Big part saved us. And then, brilliant season. And I think anybody who doesn't wish him well isn't a true Wigan supporter. Because for me, he's, he's the, he was the first in a long time, wasn't he, to to come through and have an impact, yeah. a real impact at first-team level, and he's the first now of many, isn't he? The, the one who had any longevity in the team, I mean, you know, I know uh, Tellos come as well alongside him, and we had Joe Gellart before, but as soon as Gellart was in, within six months, he'd, he'd been snapped up uh, through the administration route, yeah. hadn't he? Well, Langy was a bit different Langy pathway. Little, yeah, he was a bit older, wasn't he? Because I, I remember yeah. him playing, might have been Paul Cook's first season. I remember you saying Langy reminded you a bit of a young Nick Powell. Full of arrogance. It's, it's funny, though, he could be heading for the championship while uh, Nick Powell's in League Two. And, and talking of strikers, uh, Charlie Kelman has joined on loan from Queen's Park Rangers. I, I can't say anything about this signing because, to be honest with you, I've never heard of him before. He's been a, around a bit. He's 22 years of age, former under-20s international for the US, and he's been on loan at both Gillingham and Orient. He's played in League Two last season for, for the O's, and uh, I think he bagged about eight goals in 15 games or something like that. Maloney seems quite impressed with him and, and pleased that we've got him. Yeah, I mean, at age 20, you can't just look at the number of goals he scored, can you? Because it's not fair at that stage. I mean, you could have... How many times could you have written Will Keane off with the you know amount of goals he was scoring? If you looked at his record and then look what he's done in the last three or four seasons, he's clearly not set the world on fire, but he, he's got a move, hasn't he, to... Um, a championship club 
from what was a League Two club. I know they got promoted, but uh, they've loaned him back out. It doesn't look like it's been fantastic loan spells. But again, we've picked up players before who maybe haven't had good loan spells. What I would say with Sean Maloney is there's two players that I can think of off the top of my head in Jordan Jones and Callum McManaman, who he's brought back from the dead, really. And uh, the, this isn't quite the same, is it? This is just someone making his way. You know, he's obviously USA, you know, a high-ranked side. Uh, last uh, loan player that we got I think for the USA didn't do too badly did he Anthony Robinson uh, we snapped him up permanently didn't he and then the rest is history so uh, you've got to give it people right he's like I don't get it people write them off before they even kick the ball yeah well there's no there's nobody going to know anything about him is there no matter who, who they said we He's actually featured, I think, eight times this season for QPR. One start and, and seven off the bench, and all at championship, in the championship as well. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. And Maloney said a different type of player than Langis, so he's not coming as a direct replacement. And uh, hopefully, he can get him playing well. And also, like I said, Will Keane came in with a, a an abysmal goal scoring record, and look how he left us. Yeah, he left us uh, on a big high, didn't he? Um, do you, do, I guess the interesting thing is, will on transfer deadline there, will we? One go out. There's rumours about Charlie Mike going to Carlisle. Yeah, they've been around for six months. All them rumours, haven't they? From the first time we we played Carlisle in August, they were them lads were yeah. talking to us about it. They've more finances behind them now, so they could probably do the deal. He's not going to stay beyond this season anyway, I don't think. So if we if get him off the wage bill, I suppose it's a saving. Now it'd be sad, but life moves on, and I don't think we would miss him too much. He's he's not really. That first four or five games, brilliant. But since then, he's not really contributed. Has he contributed any more than McGuinness, really? I wonder if that's why we brought Charlie Kelman in. Because Charlie White. And we like having three Charlies in the team, you know what I mean? Charlie White's on his way out. So he's not replacement for, for Lange. He's a replacement for White, keeping Got the Charlie point up. I- how confusing would it be if Charlie White didn't go? The two Charlies are there. Then there's a Char- two Charlies at the back. And all these Smiths. Well, what would happen like, if we signed Charlie Smith? Now, that would throw the cast amongst the pigeons. Tuesday evening, both myself and Adam found our way in the DW Stadium for a meeting with some senior officials from the club. Well, was it a meeting or was it a consultation? They said it was a consultation, didn't they? So we'll go along with that. So we had this consultation and there's quite a few things spoken about. It was quite open, sat around with a, a quite a few other people. We'll just have a little bit of chatter about some of the things that was talked about. The main focus of it was the fan fund, but we'll come to that in a second. I mean, one of the things that they were asked straight away was... What's going on with the CEO? Where's the CEO? So there was a bit of discussion around that, and this explained that there's a legal board and a technical board. It doesn't sound like a normal governance terminology for a football club. I mean, you can understand what it is, can't you? I guess the legal board sort of sits there, doesn't it, in terms of the key strategic, not just obviously on the pitch decisions financially, but also you know, entering into agreements, sponsorship and all that kind of stuff. And technical seemed to be more linked to the playing side, didn't it, really? You know, so, uh, but usually you'd say, I'm, I'm sure they'd say like the um, football department or something. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, that, that makes sense to me. But I mean, I mean I'm, going it... off, I'm going off what like, you know, Gary Neville, who's a 
you know, he's owned the football club. And I, I think he uses the, when he's talking about Man United, doesn't he? He says there's the, the football side of it. So I don't know why we've called it the technical side. Maybe it's a rugby, maybe it's a rugby term. <laughs> Don't be saying that, Adam. Oh, no. People will be up in arms. Uh, especially with the mention of that new CEO possibility. Phil, uh, Phil Clark. Phil Clark. Just getting back to the Lidl board, Ben Goodburn as uh, chair, with Mike Danson's son on the board as well. And then all the different heads of departments around the club making up that side of it. On the other one, it was Ben Gregory, Sean Maloney, Sarah Gilfoyle, Jake Campbell. Is that about it? Did you mention Gregor? I did. So that's the two, the makeup of both of them. I mean, is it the saying, never the twin shall meet, or do you think they do meet together? I think that's where your CEO comes in. So I think you'd probably take Chairman off that, you know, if because he, he's acting, he's the chairman and the CEO at the moment, isn't he, Ben? I think your CEO is the one who, who should link it all together, in my view. At the moment, it's probably a mixture of uh, Gregor and Ben sort of cutting up that CEO job really. Jonathan had a big role to play in signings, didn't he? But he also had a big role to play in things like strategic decisions, you know. We don't have that person at the moment, do we? So it's like carved up. Do we need that in place, uh, ASAP? But they just say they're working on it. Then we, we got presented with uh, the fans fund and the talk around that. One thing that they surprised me, I mean, we asked about the numbers. They reckoned there was about... At its peak, there's about 1,600 members of the fans' fund, which I think is it was quite good. And at the close of play, there was still 900 there. Now, considering everything that had gone on last season, I think that's a, a lot of commitment and a lot of loyalty from the fan base that to still be in at that stage. They said that it had raised approximately £320,000 over the two and a half years, didn't they, that it had been running. So taking some off for running costs, and other other things like there is some staff did they have about seven personnel working there there was obviously um, bees involved as well weren't there within that it still wasn't 100% clear in terms of the setup costs I think they were saying that they were borne by the club and not out of the fund but because what I find interesting is that it didn't all go to the academy. It was a 20% of it went to first team. But first team, like, facilities in terms of things like, uh, was it ice baths and stuff like yeah. that? Yeah. Well, there was a, an option when you signed, because I remember when I signed up, you had three, you had sports science, first team, and academy. And I ticked all three boxes to split. So each one would have got uh, a third of my cash. You know, I bet you one of them you spoiled the voting card, aren't you? None of the above. <laughs> people look at it different ways. Some people don't like it and they're entitled to the view. Other people do like it and they're entitled to their view. I think what we've got to do on the relaunch, because they're talking of relaunching it, they've got to They've got to get it right. I think that's very important. If they want me to sign up again, I want, I'd want real assurances. You'd want to. I know they spoke last night, Adam, about having regular meetings and and disclosing where the money's going and set, setting up separate accounts. And I think that's the way it has to go. Yeah, like um, kind of a rotation. I mean, clearly, if we had even if we had nine hundred members, you know, yeah. Over the even the course of three or four seasons, not every member is going to be able to go to a meeting, but. At least if you're given an opportunity or you can be drawn out or... Because then it can be written up and passed on to the other members anyway. It's just a bit more transparency. And that's that's not like a wider club issue. That that would just be um, a meeting about what's actually... Where that money's going. The update that, um, that Jake did thought was very, very good. And if we could see that, you know, to, and he said he was more than happy to engage with that and engage with the members so you know i'd I'd, I'd like to go and 
see that again, you know, just to, uh, I learned a lot about the academy that I didn't really know. So I think it's interesting if other members go as well. We can't go into too much detail because we're not getting enough space on our podcast tape. But there's, yeah, it was a very interesting presentation. And, and there's obviously four write-ups as well, aren't there, for statement from the club and also obviously the supporters club statements as well. So the, the, there's a bit more detail on there, but there are still some areas where there are still questions to be asked. And I think the club kind of accept that, don't they? They, they, they know there are certain matters that they essentially haven't decided yet. Or if they have decided, they're not telling us. They said some of the questions that were raised last Saturday tech on board. So they will have further meetings next week with each other about what was raised. I was very excited with what Jake Campbell was presenting. And with this being um, where the, the new fans fund is going to go to the academy, I think it is an exciting thing to get involved with. From my point of view, I understand not everybody is up for that sort of thing, but but I really do. And for me, it's it's the building block of this club. There's enough people say the, the academy saved us twice now in in the past three years. The academy's not only saved us, but we're building on it now, aren't we? With our first team at the moment. If there's any way we can support that. To recap the meeting, I thought it was quite positive from the the point of view where we, people got to earth some grievances and they, they seem to be listened to and. The old other meetings around other subjects as well going forward. Yeah, well, I mean that's what a club needs to do. I mean there are, there is an EFL requirement. We're supposed to have at least two of these what fans advisory boards or structured dialogues each season. You know this is the first one of that sort that we've had in four years. You know it's a step forward, but. Yeah, I think things like ticketing and season ticket launches and all that kind of pricing. I think fans need to have a at least be consulted. We don't make the all overall decision but I think we need to be consulted and provide our expertise because we know the club a lot better than these people who are running the club Right, let's talk some football Saturday, big game, not had a game midweek this week, seems a bit strange but Saturday we're, we're heading down south we're, well south east really isn't it? going over to, to Peterborough and we've, I've managed to have a, a chat with Ari Anders, a big posh fan he's on Twitter, getting followed at Ari Anders, let's have a listen how that went on Saturday, we're heading down to London Road where we're going to meet high-flying Peterborough. And I'm really pleased to say, once again, Harry Poshvan is joining us on the podcast. How are you doing, Harry? Doing very well. Thank you for having me back. There's a great start that I've picked out. We played you on the 7th of November and we beat you that night. And that was the last game that you lost in the league. You've been on some hell of a run since then. I think you played 11 games with eight eight wins. That's about right, yeah. And it's, it has, it's been really good. I'd say only the only the Lincoln game just gone is the one where it feels like one got away from us. Really good run. Yeah, you drew that one nil apiece, didn't you? We, we drew nil apiece with Lincoln. I think that's probably the worst game that I've seen, of football I've seen this season. Yeah, I mean, they. it was a turgid game. They completely shut down our style, made the pitch very small. And we actually had a fair goal disallowed. I know you were mentioned to me in our uh, prep for this that you've had a similar situation recently. We had a goal chalked off that should not have been, and it wasn't offside on the replays. That was a the one moment in the game. Other than that, we were we didn't really get a lot going. At this moment in time, you sat third in the table. You just slipped out of the top two. Pompey top, Bolton second. There's only three points separating the three clubs, and you've got Derby in fourth as well on the same points as yourself. Everything to play for. The last time we met, you, you told me all about these players who uh, you spread the goals around, and you certainly do. I've picked five players out here. Mason Clark, Clark Harris... Poku, Randall and uh, Ricky J. Jones. Now, out of those, Claire Carris doesn't seem to have been playing too much recently. Seems to have been sat on the bench. But you've got Ricky, 
Jed Jones leading the attack. And you told me to look out for him last time we played you. And I did do. And he was like a whippet. Absolutely unbelievable pace. That's what he brings more than anything. He's in touch and his dribbling is improving, I would say. He's still a bit inconsistent. You know, he'll run the ball out of his feet and it'll and it'll get away from him occasionally. But he's such a hassle for defenders. You don't have a moment to breathe. He will he will charge them down. And if we can accurately put balls over the top, which we which we do occasionally, you know, we play a lot on the ground, but when we do try and put Ricky in, it does tend to be pretty successful. And as long as he can finish, which isn't a guarantee with him yet, he, he will it'll be a problem for your afternoon. Depends which Ricky shows up, actually, is that a good way of putting it. Poku was one player that I've always been impressed with, whether I've seen him live or on the highlights show. Eight and seven, eight goals, seven assists. What a return so far that is. Yeah, he is amazing but I, i'm not sure if you're aware you will not have to deal with him on on saturday he is injured it will be uh the ex-sutton man azure boy who almost certainly will start at right wing as he has done for the last couple of games in in Poku's place well we know david azure boy from from playing against the sports Sutton and obviously for yourself i think he missed a bit of a sitter in the dw stadium back in november i'm absolutely positive he did but it's it's uh it's good to hear that poor coup's out mason Clyden leading the attack 12 goals six assists and again somebody with a good return and a double barrel name with clark in there as well i know yeah maybe that's how we picked them uh yeah he's been fantastic he he did his hamstring on the very first game of the season and had a bending in period the first probably six weeks of this season and since then i mean those did you say 12 goals and 10 assists sounds about right I mean, those have all been since October. I mean, he is—he has been unbelievable, and on his day, he's unplayable. I think he's—he remains our biggest threat easily, even when Poku's fit. Mason Clark is our biggest threat. Darren Ferguson, you—you you must be delighted again. How many times has he been your manager now? It must be six, seven, eight, nine times. Who knows? Who knows? But you—it will be by the time he retires. <laughs> yeah, you must be delighted with him again. Yeah, uh, this also. I, I pretty much became a fan when I was when I was 10, 11 years old and Fergie was the second manager I ever saw. Let me tell you now, this is the best football he has managed to get a team playing in his entire, God knows how many hundreds of games he's had over these four stints. This is just, it's completely carpet football, extremely patient when it wants to be, like vipers when they want to be. I'll tell you, we, we, uh, this these stats were true before the Lincoln game. I don't know if this counts after the weekend, just gone. But we had, we had the highest XG in the league, highest shots on target, highest touches in the opposition box, had the highest goals scored. Uh, and funnily enough, the lowest headers and the lowest areas, aerial duels won percentage, which tells you a lot about how we play. Well, you told me all this before we played you, and you told me about how, how attacking it was going to be in the balls on the floor, and it all panned out that way. And a lot of supporters have put down that victory over Peterborough, our place, as the best result this season, even though we went up the road to Bolton and did them 4-0, which I think really is the best result for us. But in terms of quality of a football match, I mean, I'd agree that Peterborough losing 2-1 at the DW Stadium for me is the best game of football I've seen this season. It was fantastic. And it whets the appetite. Saturday, I'm really looking forward to it. And something else that whets the appetite for Saturday, you were telling me that you're struggling for fullbacks. Well, we play with two wingers and two attacking fullbacks. So we were coming to, definitely coming down that flank. So is that an opportunity for us, do you think? Definitely, yeah. Context here is that we still have our first choice left back, Harrison Burrows, but he really is more attacking than anything. You, you'll see it when 
when we play on Saturday, he's not in the side for his defensive abilities. He's he'd probably be an average League One left back in a team that wasn't as attacking as this. But his ability to create chances, I think he might have created the most chances out of any player in League One. I think that is right. Something like sixty chances he's created. He will bomb down that wing, supporting Mason Clark. Beautiful cross on him, all of it. Uh, but not defensive and no backup. We we let go of uh, Aloni from Chelsea, who couldn't get in the side. <clears throat> Zach Sturge ahead of Burrows. So we've got no backup. If, if Harrison goes down injured, no left back. And then we absolutely have no right backs because Kyoso, Peter Kyoso, who actually made captain despite being a lone player, uh, has gone back to Rotherham. Maybe we'll get him back, but I... I doubt it. I I think that we've got FFP problems that prevent us from taking him back. And they don't, they would sell him to us if we could afford him, and we can't. But they won't loan him back. They may as well just keep him uh, and do their best to stay up in the championship. So we're putting Katongo, who I believe started the game against you, out at right back. He's not bad, and he's improving at it. But you'll see, he's not. He's quite clearly not naturally a right back, and typically plays in the middle. I'm sure he played a similar position when you played at South Place. I remember we, we got a bit of joy down that side. As you see the game going up, and what's your score prediction, Harry, please? I can see it being a very high-quality game for both teams again. I think that one of the things I took away from it, why did we lose at the DW? Uh, I think Wigan were just so good in midfield, and you avoided our press. It's not like we have a crazy, every-man-chasing-you-down kind of press, but we, are, we try to stay pretty close. And the, the control of your midfielders was excellent. And if you manage to replicate that, I can see you getting some some joy again. We don't keep many clean sheets, despite keeping one on the weekend. And I think it'll be a, both teams to score. I'm going to go with 1-1 one, one for this one. Do you know what? I'll take it. All right, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Wish you the best of luck for the rest of the season. The dream would be two years from now, we're both in the Championship. That would be, that would be great to see. Thank you very yeah. much, Harry. Thank you. Thank you, Barry. I'm just saying he's got a good connection to David Beckham, isn't he? If he's a big posh fan. <laughs> Very good, that one. I like it. I like it. What One bit of good news to come out of that interview is that Puku's not playing. He's a good lad. He's a dangerous lad. I remember doing it at place. He uh, caused a few problems. They scored in that game, so that's that's a bit of a relief. Uh, the top scorers in the division, and if we look at the stats at the moment, the third in the table on 56 points from 28 games, they've won 16 drawn eight and only lost four were one of the four teams who beat them. They've only lost spots at home as well. They scored 54 goals with the top scorers in the division. And when you look at who scored, it spread right across the team. You know, you pick out the players, Adam. You've got Ricky J. Jones, 20-year-old up front, seven goals, five assists. Mason Clark, 12 goals, six assists. Randall, seven goals and eight assists. Pity they've not got an Opkirk as well because we could have had Randall and Opkirk, one for the older ones. Well, the top scorer, though, he, um, uh, I don't think he's played all the games either, hasn't he? His spell sort of kicked in, hasn't it? Sort of kicked in around um, November time, I think. So he's, he's the last two or three months, he's been he's been on the hot list. Yeah, I mean, it's sign of a good team, isn't it? We, you know, promotion teams spread the goals around, don't they? Whether it was, you know, we had Keane, Lang, McLean, you know, they spread them quite, quite a bit, you know, in that season. And teams who tend to get promoted have, one who scores a few and then others chipping quite a bit as well. If you can get a couple of players over 10 goals, it gives you uh, gives you a really good chance and they're obviously in that position. So it's going to be very tough. But one thing that did interest me is they're saying that the going forward, the wide areas are 
points of strength, but he said that is definitely their weakness in terms of defensively. They've, um, well, they don't have a left-sided defender, do they? So uh, I think we could exploit that. Yeah, definitely. Referee for the game is Birmingham-based official Scott Tallis. He's in his first season as, as an EFL ref. This will be Tallis's second Lattice game, having been in the middle for our EFL trophy tie against Fleetwood. Three apiece, if you remember, settled on penalties in the Lattice's favour. Tallis has one posh game too, the one-all draw with Orient back in September. Cardwatch Scott Tallis has taken charge of 23 games so far this season, 91 yellows, two reds, and awarded five penalty kicks. Previously, we've met Peterborough 22 times down the years, winning 11, losing four, and drawing seven. Our first meeting coming in the second round of the FA Cup back in 1970 in front of 17,300 fans at Springfield Park. Jeff Davis and a Jim Fleming penalty solo Latics win the game and progress to a third-round tie against Manchester City at Main Road, the hand of Gorta. Our last six games against the Posh, three defeats, two draws and one win. Two of those defeats came in the pandemic. Certainly, I remember away from away from home, we took the lead, I think, and then they came back and won 2-1. So our form's not great, but um, obviously we won our last one, which was the last time they lost. It is indeed. So, uh, yeah, I remember that game uh, in the pandemic down there. Tendai Dariko gave a penalty away, if you remember. He seemed to do that quite a lot last season. He tackled him with his wrong foot, getting the wrong side of the player. My favourite game down at, at Peterborough was the game where we were 2-0 up and they pulled it back to two apiece. After they scored the equalising goal in about the 87th or 88th minute, we kicked off and Max Power took the ball down to the far end and put us back in front of him in 1-3-2. It was Cold, a Tuesday Cold, night. Caldwell days, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, yeah. Caldwell days, and it was what just after, I think we just signed Yannick as well at that around that time. It was yeah. just when we were going on that amazing run, weren't we? I think I got home about two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> it was an horrible, horrible trip. But but uh, winning three two away is not not too bad. Harry's gone for a one all, uh, and I can see why he fears us a little bit, and I fear them a little bit. So I'm going to join him. I'm going to go for a one apiece as well. Yeah, hopefully we can make. I mean, our away performances have been great over the recent weeks, even though we haven't necessarily secured full points. So if we can be more clinical, I think we could. We could do the double. I'm going to go one two. I was going for a one two and a double. Our first double of the season. That would be absolutely yeah. tremendous. Well, we'll be back on Sunday. The transfer window will slam shut by then, so we'll be able to take a, a proper look at who's with us and who's left us. Uh, there is quite a few rumours knocking around. I'm not too sure too much will be getting done, but we'll find out. Anyway, so until Sunday, it's up the ticks and come on. Up the ticks. <laughs>